0: Frigid night in South Philadelphia and the Sixers hosting the Denver Nuggets second night of a back-to-back the big and the home team comes up with a huge win over the Denver Nuggets final score as they go at it and I mean go at it defense optional in this one 126 121 duck this as the Graphics says on the top of the show, welcome to the PHLY Sixers postgame show here on this Tuesday night alongside Derek Bodner. I'm Devon Givens. Bree producing. Kyle Newbeck live from the arena. We'll get his thoughts, how it sounded in the arena, how it looked, how it all Played out as the Sixers pick up a very good win, an impressive, impressive game of a matchup between two MVPs. We saw two different styles of play between the two tonight 41 for Embiid, 25 and 19 for Nikola Jokic, and Embiid picks up 10 assists. He does get the double double. He does. But it doesn't work out that the streak continues with the 10 boards. He got the 10 assists. Derek. This one was uh, no defense optional in the first, but it picked up in the second half.
1: Yeah, and certainly down the stretch. I mean, what did what did the uh, Nuggets end up there with in the fourth quarter? 17 points 17. in the fourth quarter as yep. the Sixers pulled away from this one. Some of that was certainly increased defense from the Sixers. Some of that, I think, was a little bit tired legs. Both teams were playing sort of at a breakneck pace. Uh, eventually, that caught up to them. And some sloppy play from the Nuggets, too. But more importantly, there were a number of Absolutely monster performances from this one. And obviously, Joel Embiid's 41, 10, and 7 are going to steal the show, as they should. He was sensational, scored 10 straight for the Sixers in the fourth quarter as they pulled away, Uh, was facilitating the offense for much of the night. I thought Mm -hmm. he did a real good job with that. But I think if we focus too much on that, you can lose sight of. A crucial stretch from Tobias Harris there uh, as the um, Nuggets started to pull away. Embiid went to the bench to start the fourth quarter in his normal rotation. Tobias Harris came out and gave them big, big buckets. Tyrese Maxey had a huge stretch. Uh, Overall, ended up shooting four for nine from three-point range. Had, again, some monster buckets. There were just a lot of really good contributions up and down the roster. Obviously, Embiid's brilliance was what stands out and what makes his team a title contender, what makes them at least a, a, a... maybe a second tier we can debate that later who cares this was a tremendous performance Um, but I really thought this was also a game that showed the strength of their two man game and the ability of other players to play off of that it was a real good game
0: yeah it was a really fun game as you talked about those three right there with 41, 25, and 24. Speaking of Maxi and, and Tobias Harris, as they contributed what they did, we'll get to Tobias Harris and his stretch there at the start of the fourth quarter with Embiid on the bench. But uh, we were worried about Embiid playing in this game potentially because yeah. of the, the the knee issue and playing on the back-to-back, although it wasn't earlier uh, back-to-back because of the 1 o'clock start on Monday. But here in this particular one for for the Sixers, a 7.30 start time. Nationally televised game, highly anticipated. We didn't, we really didn't think he would, because all signs pointed to, and early on in the day when you started to report it, because the injury report came out, he was not on it. That was very encouraging. You get to the arena, yep. same thing. Nick Nurse, it appeared he was going to play, and he comes right out, and and man, he starts off in what is double digits in the first quarter mm-hmm. again, and you saw right there that okay, this isn't this is encouraging right from the start, where he I- I- immediately just looks himself again he picked up right where he left off from monday afternoon's game and put up some pretty good numbers to start the game off and while the defensive coverage was different for what nick nurse and the staff decided to do where uh, there were a number of different players defending nikola Jokic, Breakneck speed, 38-36 in the first quarter. Uh, but for Embiid to be out there to start things off and look as good as he did in the very beginning, again, it was something that said, okay, uh, he's fine, and we should expect something hopefully good in this one.
1: Yeah, and look, this was a game where they were without seemingly about half of their roster. Um, and for them to come out so shorthanded on a back-to-back to be able to execute like when you talk about tired legs you think oh man those jumpers are going to be off there's going to be a lot of mental mistakes maybe the turnovers are going to go up because they're trying to do a little too much they executed and i think people will look at denver and maybe not realize how competent too good to borderline good i think they're 11th in the league in defense that is a team that usually does not hemorrhage points the way that they did in this one and the sixers just started off this game You know, going to that Embiid-Maxi two-man game time and time again. They were running that empty side pick and roll for seemingly the first five or six possessions of the game, getting pretty much whatever they wanted, whether that's Tyrese-Maxi coming off of a handoff, whether that's Tyrese-Maxi going to the rim, Embiid getting a fadeaway. They were getting anything that they wanted out of that set. And neither team really looked like they had any true idea how to take away the other team's bread and butter. And it would be fascinating to watch that in a seven-game series. Knock on wood, I think we can all... Pray that that is something that we can see in our future. Mm-hmm. Uh, but neither team really had an answer. And again, I think for the Sixers to be in a position where you have Embiid and Maxie, and where you just have Embiid and a co-star who compliments him so well that the other team has no answer for really anything that they were doing, it was fun to watch. And there were some very frustrating portions of this game, mostly on the defensive glass. It's one thing to not be able to stop the Nuggets uh, defensively. They're a really good team. To give up that many offensive rebounds to Denver at one point Denver had 10 offensive rebounds on 20 missed shots that's not a good enough effort but to have be able to execute that well it just it's it's blows my mind it just we sat here through so many bad fits with Embiid trying to convince ourselves that oh this snug pick and roll with Simmons and Embiid's going to work to have this kind of chemistry and synergy between their skill sets that you can just go down time after time after time and be able to pick the other team apart. It was just really fun to watch. Over and over again. I I texted you at the halftime. I'm like, Devon, I'm not coming in the studio, man. I'm not leaving this arena. I think I got got to stay here and finish this out. You're just going to do the show by yourself. You
0: earned it from being out (laughs) here, trekking through this cold weather, getting down there with the ice. I don't care about earning it, man. (laughs) I just wanted to watch that game. As a Hoops
1: fan, I did not want to leave that arena. Yeah, no doubt, man.
0: Sitting back here and uh, someone, uh, Stacy on Twitter, had hit me up. And Stacy, long-time listener, she always checks in on social media uh, via the game. And and Stacey was like, defense, none. Absolutely. 70 points, plus 70 points here in the first quarter. I'm like, yeah, Stacey, but it was fun.
1: 78. It was at the highest scoring. At that
0: point, that's where she hit me. It was like 70. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: But it was at 78, 78. It was the most points either team had given up in the first half all season long. Yeah. And think of this again, folks
0: second day, or night in this case because it was a day game and a night, and the Nuggets had the day off yesterday. This was a back-to-back for the Sixers, and oftentimes you're looking at they're going to be sluggish. The shooting percentage is going to be terrible in the first quarter. They're going to turn the ball over and and all that. No! They shot 62% in the first quarter on 15 of 24 shooting and knocked down six of their 11 triples and protected the basketball where they only coughed it up one time. Now the offensive rebounds, that's a whole other case for in the first quarter, and as Derek talked about 10 on on 20 shots can't have that happen we'll pick at that as we go along throughout the show but sometimes you have those those games on the second of the back-to-back where you don't have the legs oh too much energy percent all of that stuff but right away and again this is more about the sixes but it's also as we talked about this is a heavyweight bout and this was one that was highly anticipated we were waiting for this one and we were waiting not only for Embiid-Jokic matchup, but just to see where the Sixers match up against this basketball team, the defending champion, and uh, against one of the better squads in the league, not just Toronto or Detroit or Atlanta and any of these teams that we talk about, and all due respect to Houston on Monday, this is what we wanted to see. And we got it from the start. So yes, the defense was poor in the first half from both sides. But you also give credit to the offense because of how how yep. how pure it was, yep. how, much, how crisp it was, how how much they each valued the basketball there where they did not turn the ball over, either one of them, and there were just so many different aspects of it of where both sides were scoring. Certainly wanted to see the Sixers do what they did, which was walk away with the win. However, to watch the greatness of what Jokic is and watch how the Nuggets play and how, how are they gonna slow this down with Maxi and, and Joel Embiid? They can't. Yep. How are they going to slow down Embiid by himself when he has it? They can't. Aaron Gordon, as good of a defender he is, You know, you're 7-2. You're still going to overpower and find ways to get your shot, just like later on where I thought Denver did a fantastic job of getting Maxie caught on Nikola Jokic in the middle of the floor. (laughs) It's like, what the hell are you going to do with that? (laughs) So it was just great basketball to watch. And just to see how, you know, again, on the second night of a back-to-back, second day of a back-to-back for it to play out that way and get good basketball, fun basketball, crisp basketball. And as Derek said at the very top, something that we all hope we see in June.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, it was, Atlanta. look, I can't, like, the fact that they had this performance, considering all the players they were out, again, as a reminder, they were out D'Anthony Melton and Robert Covington, Jaden Springer, Mo Bamba, Daniel House. Mm-hmm. Like, those, and those aren't just, like, names. Those aren't just uh, the end of the rotation. Those are guys that you actually count on to some degree. They had very little wing depth. Uh, you had Furkan Korkmaz getting first quarter minutes in this game. That's not the situation you would typically want to find yourself in, especially on a, on a Tail end of a back-to-back. I came into this one thinking, first of all, they just don't have the horses. They're gonna be tired. Embiid's probably gonna try to do too much. Because it's back-to-back, like he might end up coming up short on some of those jumpers. This could get out of hand. I was a little worried about that, and then you have to deal with the narrative and all this stuff, and Sixers fans freaking out, and national people freaking out, and just didn't want to be there. But man, for them to come out, Embiid wasn't not just short on his his jumpers were that fourth quarter when he was on that 10-0 run his jumpers were so automatic <laughs> barely even touching the net let alone the rim it was there was when he's like that there is nothing you can do to stop him and then you add in the passing and I thought really in the third quarter there to start his passing was setting the tone he was making a number of really good passes just running the offense from that foul line area kicking it to the corners whenever they sent a double team picking them apart with timely precise passes Everything you could have hoped for to see from the team offensively, you saw tonight. And,
0: and and that's the thing, too. When you talk about coming in and trying to do too much, he did the opposite because he took what was, what was given to him in terms of the scoring. But he also passed the basketball the way that he did, which was very, very impressive. I think of one right away where he drove to the middle of the floor, defense collapsed, and... We will see it again, where he forces it. We probably saw it as the game went on. But early on, Kelly Oubre cuts. He's right underneath the basket. He whips a pass to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking, oh, that's too hot. That's, that's just going to fall out of his hands, maybe go out of bounds. He should have given the ball up to, or a little bit earlier. No, Kelly Oubre catches it, dunks it in traffic over a couple of defenders. Then... In the second half, Derek, he has a play where he's driving again downhill. The defense collapses where he has a double team right there with him. We've seen him force it. He's shooting the basketball really well. But instead of forcing a jump shot, which he is making again at a very high clip from that 15 on out area, he kicks a perfect pass, two-handed pass to Tobias Harris in the left corner in front of the Nuggets bench for a three-pointer. And... It was a phenomenal pass. It was a phenomenal look and that was the flow of the game that Embiid was in tonight where it was the crisp passing the rebounds of course we'll talk about that a little bit later but he had a very good grasp of what he wanted to do of what the defensive coverage was looking like from the Denver Nuggets and again not to force the play with the scoring but also sharing the basketball to get his teammates an easier opportunity at a basket like he did for Tobias Harris with that corner three pointer and it wasn't just that one time it was over and over again for him to finish with the 10 assists some of them were the basic ones and his teammates just made the shots but there were some really good passing displays by Joel Embiid tonight where he was very unselfish with his overall level of play on that offensive end that we like to see when he says I like playing this way and then we go back to later on we'll do it again why didn't you why did you force it this particular game against this particular opponent when we just saw you do what you did
1: yeah no it was an incredible passing uh, performance I thought, you know, he ended up with Tennessee. He had a bunch early that I thought, you know, like, some of them were coming off a dribble handoff. So I know Max got one or two from a dribble handoff. I think Patum had one from a dribble handoff. Some of those aren't necessarily creating all that much, as much just facilitating. In the second half especially, like I said, really in the third quarter, he was creating opportunities. You mentioned that one to Tobias Harris. I think he had another one moments later. He had two of them to Tobias Harris in a third. Uh, he was just really good at, like I said, Reading the defense, making a quick decision and an accurate pass exactly where it needed to be. It was one of the better passing performances of the season, I thought, from Embiid at a time in the game when they really needed him. And that mid-range jumper, he is up to shooting 55, coming into the game here shooting 54.6% on shots between 16 feet and a three-point line. Just to put that into context, Kevin Durant is probably the greatest mid-range jump shooter in the history of the sport. I agree. He's only had two seasons in his career above that mark, one at 57.5%, the other at 55.5%. Joel Embiid's season so far from the mid-range is as efficient as you will ever see on high volume, and tonight, like I said, during that 10-0 run, he was taking some tough shots that there was, and they've, you know, the Nuggets finally put Jokic on Embiid there down a the stretch. As the Sixers finally put Embiid on Jokic down a stretch, Jokic just couldn't contest it. When Embiid's getting that shot, getting to that spot, has that high release, there was nothing they could do about it, and it was going in every time
0: and uh, that, that 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 number that you just gave from his uh, that's why as you know i call it a layup because growing up and many of you same thing i know you we look at the daily news we look at the inquiry growing up and we look at the back and we look at the stats yep. and at that time of course it was the basic stuff it was Points, assists, rebounds, field goal percentage, or if they were the leaders in points, they would also have the field goal percent with the points on the end, that type of thing. And I remember always looking at it. You know, Akeem Olajuwon, you know, 60% from 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 the field, a lot of it jumpers, but also layups. Some of the other big men, Patrick Ewing, the same thing. You just lay that out at 56% jump crazy. shots, it's crazy from the 15 to 17 feet out, and oftentimes there's a hand in his face when he does it. Yeah. And he's shooting that clip yeah. from that spot. That's why I call it a layup, because it's an automatic bucket for him at this point. So when we talk about it being, why is he always there? Why is he never uh, below the basket there, right at the rim, trying to finish in close? That's why, because the guy is so good at making that shot. You take advantage of that, and it's less less of getting a beating there on, on the low block, where you kind of preserve yourself for some of the other things, including uh, when you do have to go down low and, and face yep face the basket and do your work there so uh, a phenomenal performance there by the Sixers and the Nuggets they could, this is just a little teaser because they play again in a week yeah. in about a week and a half it and seems never. like they
1: always do this they have both games like, <laughs> within like a two week span
0: because they Every at time. this point we already know what we're going to get so yep. get, it, get it right back to us very fast and we'll talk about Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris and their great games as well as the Sixers win 126-121 in this heavyweight bout Sixers take match one then we'll do it again mm-hmm. and next Saturday in Denver afternoon game so that should be pretty fun before we talk about those two guys Harris and Maxie and their performances maybe you want to travel to Denver to watch that game while they're on the road and you're like I need some tickets in Denver how do I get tickets in Denver well I have the perfect place for you ah forgot the bell left it in there <laughs> um <laughs> we have we can send you the game time we're buying tickets to your favorite events Should not be stressful at all. Game time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. And with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun that you'll have. What are some of the things you ask that game time uh, provides for you? Well, let me tell you here are some of the things flash deals, last minute tickets, images of the seat views, why you want to see Embiid and Jokic go added, easy to find and buy tickets for. Every kind of event in your area, lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection etc get those images again of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive it's the fastest growing ticket app in the business in the country for a reason buying tickets in a matter of seconds just like that two taps and you're all set tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email and hey birthday's coming up maybe you want to make it a great gift for the birthday for your loved one snag the tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app Create an account and use code PHLY for $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Lowest price. Last-minute tickets. Guaranteed.
1: And if you're looking to get tickets, you might want to save a little money so you can redirect that money towards having a great experience at the Wells Fargo Center. One way to do that is with Rocket Money. We all want to make sure that you get the most out of your money and that you're not wasting money on unnecessary subscriptions. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. You can see all your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can cancel it with a tap and you never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get your refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash P-H-L-Y. That's rocketmoney.com slash P-H-L-Y. Rocket Money dot com slash p h l y.
0: Did he did he do enough against a good opponent, Joel Embiid?
1: I mean, you never know. Maybe you never. I, truthfully, the national media is just not going to give him credit until he wins championship. Or at or the it very the least, finals. gets to a conference finals right. or finals. Right. Uh, he certainly dominated Jokic last year. Uh, I do think that got him some respect. I think it helped get him that MB, you know lock up that MVP award. But it was only one game. Ducked him in the second game. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it's wild. It really and like. If you go back and look at it, he missed one... Because I think a lot of this comes down to the fact that he has missed a lot of games in Denver, including, I think, three in a row. Mm -hmm. One of them, he had COVID. Another one, I think he missed 10 straight games with a bone bruise. And it's just like, somehow this narrative has just run wild it's wild I don't, yeah. I don't get it
0: big 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 for them to come him to come up big in a spot like this against the opponent uh, before we get to maxi and harris let's get to some of our super chats here as we have jake m checking in with the big donation we appreciate it jake ridiculous five minute rant by svg criticize his performance but him not mentioning his uh P.S. Injuries was so uh, in disingenuous. He also says, did, did he ever
1: go on a rant like that when Giannis choked every game? Um, so I don't actually remember the rant. I, I wasn't paying it was paying in the attention. first half, it might have been while I was at the game. I, I,
0: did get a, I did get a message from one of my friends that said he was just basically going at yeah Van Gundy because of something that he said but
1: I did about hear that in the past again, I'm at the I'm at the game for the first half I come back and I'm like fast forwarding through timeouts I'm fast forwarding through three free throws to try to get caught up because I have to drive from the arena to the studio um so I miss like I said I have a couple minutes to catch up on so I m- it might happen during there but I did also hear Van Gundy say like he thought they were contenders that they didn't need to add a third piece that Tobias Harris was enough so I he certainly gave them credit at some points but was he maybe hard on Embiid is that what this is referring to I didn't have it
0: up loud enough because I'm typically keep the volume down and just do my own thing instead of hearing them so i did not hear okay
1: it. so my apologies on the super chat uh i didn't hear that part like i said if it was during the first half I, I was just watching the game live from the arena um i will watch the game again tomorrow and i'll maybe come talk to me i'll maybe have an opinion then. but
0: jake wasn't the only one is basically yeah, no you know, i'm sure there's yeah. a lot of
1: complaining about standing and one thing i thought was interesting was he really had a lot of high praise for tobias he didn't coach him in Orlando, right? Like there wasn't an overlap there. I think I Tobias think came there after was. Stan. I don't
0: think there was. Yeah. Were, were they? No, they weren't together in Detroit either because he was already here. Van Gundy was gone already, also. So, um, uh, no, I, I, I don't. And it's funny because at, let's let's get to the Tobias part. Uh, to another really good game. Uh, Only 10 points on Monday. Didn't really need him. He only took seven shots tonight. Ten shots, but very efficient. Eight for 10. Got to the foul line, which was very, very encouraging. Six of six from the free throw line. Two for four from beyond. Those two corner three-pointers in the second half, courtesy of Embiid. Spotting up. Caught it. In rhythm. Knocked those down. 24 points, folks. And also five boards, four assists there. Two block shots by Tobias Harris. And I'm saying this, too, going off of the Van Gundy piece, because... In the past, knowing that Shaquille O'Neal has talked about, since it was a TNT nationally televised game, has talked a bunch about how Tobias Harris needs to be that third guy, and he's good enough to be that third guy, and he's good enough to, quite frankly, be an an all-star level player in this league, and he is the key. Well, in the playoffs, for the most part, he hasn't come through in a big way to help them get over that hump and get to the Eastern Conference Finals but tonight he was phenomenal. And when we start to get into those trade conversations and we have those discussions about that third option and what they might need on the trade market versus what they already have on their roster, this is what we again continue to ask for, this more consistently. And oh, he doesn't get the touches. The ball's not flowing to him uh, enough. Well, he got 10 shots. Yeah, And that's only 10 shots. Well, we're merely looking for him to get 16-shot attempts because Joel's going to get his plus 18, maybe 22.
1: And that's underselling it because he's going to have 15 free throws in exactly. there. So, exactly. Yeah.
0: Maxie's going to get his 16 to 18. And you look at Tobias to be anywhere from 12 to 16. And he only got 10. And he made the most of it with his efficiency. But it was really, Derek, as you pointed out, in the very beginning, that fourth quarter yeah. where he scored the first eight points for the yep. Sixers, six from the field, two from the free-throw line. And the reason why it wasn't 10 is because Maxie struggled from the free-throw line tonight, he missed his two free-throws during that stretch where he would have been the only one to score during that point. And Tobias was phenomenal during that fourth quarter where they really, really needed him.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that was a stretch where this game could have been – I don't want to say gotten away from him because it was a close game the entire time. But that was a very key stretch. Like I said, that for start of the fourth quarter with no Embiid, now also no Jokic. Uh, and and the Sixers had struggled there towards the end of... Th- I mean, that end and of by the th- way, they were trailing yeah. that entire time. Yeah. And that end of the third quarter was so tough to watch at times. And the Sixers were, were just a mess. To come out and stabilize that with Embiid off on, on the bench, Tobias was huge. Um, there's really no other way to say it. Like, they need not him to be dominant every night he's not going to do this every night but he was so much more I mean we talk about the opportunities that he gets 10 shots might might not be a lot but it felt like whenever the ball swung to him and he was in a position to score he took advantage of it when they needed him to create ISO he did when they didn't need him he didn't try to do too much this was sort of him finding the exact right balance for pretty much the entirety of the game and especially during that start of the fourth quarter when they really needed him I enjoy watching this version of Tobias Harris
0: what do they have to do though no idea okay yeah yeah
1: there's uh, yeah no it's him it's It's him him. and like i said if it's not a knock
0: we're just saying if i knew how to answer
1: this question i would be working with the team and quite frankly have a higher paycheck and yada 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 and (laughs) i don't sixers i don't think know how to solve this riddle doc didn't know how to solve this riddle brett brown didn't know how to solve this riddle uh it is it is a the defining characteristic of Tobias Harris's tenure. The only thing,
0: of course, that we can say, and we've talked about this before, it's a rhythm thing. Uh, he is one of those those volume guys where he has to have a, a, a he feels like he has to have a pretty good rhythm, a pretty good amount of touches to really get comfortable and, and do his thing, like he did tonight. But but then he shows tonight that when he doesn't have it, though, the volume, the touches, to continue everything to just run through him the way that he would prefer for it to be, he's still very, very effective if he's just in his mindset Mm -hmm. that he can do exactly that. It may not be 24, it might be that 16 or 18. And that's all right. And then it's the free throws, add in those free throws. If you can get to the line six times for Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey, to be quite honest with you, that's pretty darn good. That's a pretty good, pretty good number when you're looking at Embiid getting there 10 times and you just add, what, maybe 12 between those two and you're looking at between three players getting to the free throw line 22 times up between up through your three best players. That's a really good number. And if Harris can do that consistently and get to that place... That would be really good for this basketball team. Ernest Peterson with the Super Chat as well says, Would Nick Nurse ever take Joel out (laughs) late game when they need to play press defense asking for an MVP voting friend?
1: Thanks, Ernest. I mean, look, I'm not. If you're looking for someone to come here and shit on Jokic, that's just not me. I think the guy is amazing. Uh, I would have voted for him MVP in 2021 and 2022. Uh, I would have voted for Joel Embiid last year. I have all th- all three of those on record. I think he is deserving of almost every accolade he gets. Uh, but. Yes, Joel's a better defender, although today he kind of struggled in that regard too. Yeah. Uh, I did want to bring up one thing. I forget who it was. Uh, I just had it highlighted not too long ago. But uh, yes, uh, Charlie Hendrickson in the chat pointing out that when we were talking about Tobias and Stan Van Gundy, I was very focused on the Orlando days because both of them overlapped there or didn't overlap there. Both of them have Orlando in their past history. Stan Van Gundy did coach him in Detroit.
0: Oh, so I, I brought up Detroit. Did you? Yeah. I wasn't listening. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I'll do better.
1: It happens. No, <laughs> it's your fault that I wasn't listening.
0: <laughs> yeah, I brought up Detroit because I did say I wasn't sure if they did overlap because Van Gundy was there, but yeah. I thought. At that point, they had traded him to L.A. already, right. so he he just missed him. But thank you for, for yeah. that, and thank you for listening to me. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, knew, I I know you were actually, though, you were typing something to actually find that answer. So, Probably. So, so, I, so I, I understand it. Um, Jack Hilsher, we appreciate, again, the super chat. He asked about thoughts on the SVG, anti-Philly comments. Again, we weren't listening to it because – how we were watching the game we didn't hear it so jack i we i apologize we apologize for Derek because how we watch it you know just going through the game the way that we do we pretty much don't have the sound up all that much to hear what the commentators are saying uh, just to give our own thoughts and not what really what the television copy is I saying.
1: I just like hearing other people's perspectives. So even if he's critical of Embiid, it is almost nice to just get that perspective, even if I don't agree with it. Because you know that then other people around the league are talking like that. It's just a good way to get, like I said, even if you, the, the opinion pisses you off, I just like hearing how other people think. Even yeah. if it's just to have a counter-argument against it. Sure.
0: Uh, I, I actually like Van Gundy uh, more than most. I, I like often, both Van yeah. Gundys. I like Jeff, uh, of course, one of the best. Uh, I like Stan more than most. And, I, again, I did not hear it. But I, I have heard him in the past... Just to kind of go along with the conversation. I have heard him in the way, past like, where he's been critical of Philadelphia. And I'm like, eh, Stan, I don't know about that one. If I had an opportunity to talk to you, I would probably ask you about that one because I disagree.
1: And like I said, I don't, I don't I don't, know exactly what some of these Super Chats are referring to. But, like, I did hear him mention, like, hey, if the Sixers are going to go anywhere in the playoffs, they need Embiid to be better than he has been offensively. And you've heard, you know, Devon and Kyle and I say that 20 times here probably in a couple of months that we've been uh, – you know having shows with this company sometimes when an outsider says the same thing that we do or that a lot of fans do yes sir it really pisses you off especially when he's in the middle of dominating a two-time mvp and a big win time and place probably wasn't the right time to make that argument but he does need to be better in the postseason for the sixers to have a chance listen folks
0: this is why we always this is why i always said it this way Stay out of family business because you guys (laughs) do not want outsiders talking about your family. You're the only ones to be able to talk about your family, not them. They are the outsiders. They don't know enough. Now, some of them do, and you respect them for what they do. I am that way, too. I don't like a lot of certain people, and we won't get into that here tonight. I, I choose not to listen to what certain people say nationally because I just don't like how they do it. I disagree with them quite often. Uh, but in this case, I do like Van Gundy a little bit more than most. Um, but we have a lot in here. Ryan says SVG was unbearable. Neil says he isn't any Philly. He's just not a homer like our local broadcast. Oh, Neil, shot. Oh, shots fired there. Um, uh, Tip, Tip Eagle says SVG sucks. Again, I disagree, you know, but to each his own. I did,
1: I did hear the rant about running Ben Simmons and Brett Brown out of town. And that's, that's wild. Wrong. That is a wild, wild rant. So I, I did hear, if, if that's what you're referring to, I did hear that part. Um, like I said, I, I tend to fast forward through a lot of stoppages of play because I need to get caught up because I'm coming for the arena. But I did hear that specific segment. That was just wild. Yeah. Like the only thing that ran Ben Simmons out of town was his fear of taking a jump shot or a free throw. That's it. That was it. That's on
0: him. He's got to own that one. And uh, Marty Bones says, I'd. By the way, rather listen to Devon, Derek, and Kyle all game than those national broadcast bozos. Well, listen, you never know. You might get you a, um,
1: I, I a would live watch-in with am us. Very, if you ever have a watch with us, I am very boring to watch games with. I just sit there. I take notes. I rewind. I take more notes. I rewind. I watch play a third time. Like it's very, I do very little talking. It would be a very boring live stream, but hey, we can try he it He does I'm do there. that.
0: But don't let him kid you. Got he does phone. He does get involved like Kyle and I do in throwing stuff back and forth in terms of the conversation. Now, now the football game last night, oh. that,
1: you'll get some animation from all of us with that football game. We don't need to talk Boy. about that.
0: Boy, speaking of FOCO, man, if you had your hoodie or your hat <laughs> or anything from FOCO, I appreciate you going to FOCO, but you were probably upset while you were representing your team by watching that football game. That said, FOCO is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that does include apparel accessories toys collectibles novelty items and much more best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandom so (laughs) all you got right now is basketball and hockey folks so if you want to jump in you go into a basketball or hockey game show off your love with team branded friendship bracelets I think I might have to get some for my friends. Derek, Kyle, Brianna, we we gotta have the friendship bracelets. Uh, Again, from our good friends at FOCO, whether it is hoodies, Jackets, beachwear, or even overalls—there is something for fans for almost every occasion. Foco has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our set. You see them behind us every day. Foco always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description, and for all non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY10 for 10% off. Again, PHLY10 for 10% off. So. As you get ready for this playoff run for both the hockey and basketball teams, you know where to go. Go to Foco. Get those friendship bracelets. Get your um, great gear there. Your hoodies, your jackets, the beachwear for the if you're in Florida watching the team or, or Phoenix, whatever it might be. Make sure you go to Foco. We'll also tell you about it if you want to. Dress warm with one of our hoodies yeah huh we got some pretty good hoodies it's freaking cold outside it's very very cold and you need one of our hoodies from phlylocker.com you see it there if you're watching on the youtube bottom left corner of your screen look at that look at that beautiful hoodie PHLY, you, you guys are always with us. Get yourself a hoodie. PHLY, uh, our, our team hoodie here. It's in blue, royal blue, like the Sixers. The logo on the uh, left side of your, your hoodie there and on the back, so you can represent us when you're out and about. And your folks are like, oh, where you get, where'd you get that from? Well, you got it from phlylocker.com. Don't forget about the uh, Mischkoff hoodie as well as the Eagles. I know you're disappointed, but it's still dope and it looks great. Still want to talk about your football team because you also, hate like all you the can others. Then just
1: take it and like reenact Skip throwing Eagles gear in the trash, like just.
0: Not that one.
1: Not that one. But I the mean, other ones. Look, pick, you, can one. The you can wear that one.
0: You can wear that one while you're throwing the others in the trash. Like as long as we get the money, they can do it. Pretty whatever much, they want, yeah. yeah. So make sure you go to phiylocker.com and don't forget to get your hat as well. The dad hat, trucker hat, flat brim hat, the golf hat. See those on the screen? They're also there.
1: P H L Y locker dot com. I really wanted to get a, a, a scene of you at Wicked Wolf last night, reenacting the skip bit. I really wanted to do that. I told you that I would have done funny. it. I just it wouldn't have had funny. a
0: problem with the lid or the trash can. Yeah, he really struggled
1: I don't know what with it, that lid.
0: W- what was the problem there?
1: I, I think it was an automatic, uh, you know, thing and As you just you couldn't. As you said.
0: Like, take a lid off, You can re-record man. that. <laughs>
1: yes, you can. Take
0: it off or yeah. time your scan, uh, you know, the, the sensor on there. Time it where you're not mi- maybe not look at the front <laughs> and the back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then you can throw it in there.
1: Alright. Like, what did. was he doing? Like, making sure it was a cowboy's jersey or make sure it's like a current one maybe you don't want to throw away like an older so just one look at the back you know look at the name very weird it, it was very, very weird. weird not everything very weird. about that man is very weird but i really enjoyed that 24-hour meltdown that he had You're not especially kidding. before we then had our own football team you are not kidding hey man ruin it let's, let's get to some good news
0: 26 yeah. winning of the season for the sixers 25 points nine assists again for tyrese Maxey. one turnover yep on the, that on the really evening. is.
1: Like, what, when he's operating well, that is almost... Because throughout the entirety... Look, John B. can be a little loose with the ball. Can be a little turnover prone. As we all know. And for most of his career, he has been then paired with a point guard who is also turnover prone, whether it's you know, Ben Simmons and, and, and everything that came along with that experience or James Harden and some of the riskier passes. And that was always a, a problem for the Sixers at points. They, they mm-hmm. lost the possession battle a lot. We end up losing the possession battle again. That's because of defensive rebounding. We'll get to that in a second. But to have Maxi, who can get generate scoring opportunities for himself and for his teammates so efficiently, so consistently, with very little turnover problems, it really does offset some of the other struggles that Embiid has. And Maxi was great at that again tonight.
0: He he was really good. You talked about that stretch that he had. He was um he was four for nine from beyond the three point mm-hmm. line again. Not any bad looks. Uh, Looks like he has that rhythm going again where he was struggling. Remember, folks, and we talked about it. We even did one of our uh, full episodes on his struggles from the field. He looks like he's back uh, to what we were talking about yeah. before. And if you go back,
1: look, we had a podcast last week, and it's it's titled about Maxi's struggles from That's the one I was three. talking about, yeah. Um, and, you know, we mentioned how different his numbers are with Embiid on the floor, uh, how different his numbers are off the dribble and, and off of no-dribble threes, and that's a key distinction because that includes dribble handoffs with Embiid and, and Embiid being able to get him shots. He was fantastic tonight uh, I do think he is better when he's on the floor with Embiid I think most people are better when they're on the floor with Embiid but mm-hmm. Maxi has the ability to get both more shots and better shots because their 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 skill sets are so synergistic it is a really good pairing and I've, I feel like I've been waiting all of Joel Embiid's career to say hey that's a really good pairing I uh, think they have it.
0: Yeah. And, and that's the easy way of looking at him shooting better. as he back out there with the big fella uh, next to him to be able to get these looks, those dribble handoffs, to be effective in that way and, and to do what he did. And Ash also gives us a super chat and he says, Update, Devon. 23, 23 and, six. and 6 with Joel
1: Embiid. Wins over the top three Boston, in the West. Wins over the Nuggets, Thunder, and the uh, Wolves. And, uh, and the Wolves. Yeah. 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 Uh, they have some some good quality wins. Uh, they have that that obviously that first game of the season against the Bucks when they lost by what was it like two? Uh, so they've had some real good performances against almost any caliber team in the league. There's really nobody that I don't think they have a like. There's no one I look at and I say I say they have no chance. I would love for more help at the trade deadline. Certainly, if Embiid misses a game or two, they're screwed. But I think they have the talent level, and more importantly, I think they have sort of like that foundation of Embiid and Maxi, where they have a chance to, if they get this next move right, to have a multi-year run, I think, where they have a foundation that can go out and compete with anyone. And I think that's part of the reason why, and obviously there's Pascal Siakam news, we'll get to that tomorrow, but that's part of the reason why when we talk about a potential third piece or a big acquisition, we're so picky because they have to get this right because they are real close, because this is going to be a multi-year impact, and because they do have a, a top two that I believe in not only this year but long term more than i have in quite a while
0: and gavin says don't forget about houston knocking them off twice yeah, yeah knocking the houston rockets off not quite the uh, same twice class, not the same but yeah but
1: a good they defense. are a good home team and and are very defensive and a very good too. defensive yeah. team
0: sure yeah so they took care of them um, also, you know, in the Eastern Conference, they've had their struggles, a couple of games with Boston, losing to New York, Indiana, the way mm-hmm. that they have. But, you know, those are going to happen overall. And, we, yes, Maxie. And they
1: beat the Pacers one time, too.
0: They did. And Maxie, of course, we talked about him just briefly there, giving him his credit for what he did. Missing four free throws, not like him. He's had a little bit of a struggle from the free throw line mm-hmm. over the past week and a half. Not worried about that. He'll He'll bounce back with that. But we also have to jump in on the bench again because – Man, not just the bench, but the other fifth starter tonight, Kelly Oubre starting for DeAnthony Melton once again. Yep. Nick Batum, really good game, really three good for game. four, two for three from beyond. Big
1: block, that one, like no dip three, that I don't even know how he gets those he,
0: off. All the time he does that. He's like Clay, Clay Thompson like yep. when he does that. Uh, eight points, two block shots. He has a really good block on him. Nicole Jokic there down the mm-hmm. stretch and, and Aaron Gordon. Some really good hustle plays from him, also pushing the break. And then you have once again off the bench. While Paul Reed only played 927, he was good when he was out there on the floor for the time that he was out there. But it was really Patrick Beverly, number one, once again, eight points. He had a step-back three in the corner. Now, no hesitation.
1: He had a couple threes. He had, had a step-back three in the corner that was part of, I think he had like a personal five zero run yeah. at the end of the first quarter yeah. that was, again, a really big spot. I think he had another step-back three at the top of the key, too, mm-hmm. uh, coming off of a screen that it's like, We've mentioned a couple of times, though, he started a season one for 22 from three, and he went, oh, no, I think his legs might be toast. No, he's turned into a real good acquisition, uh, especially for a minimum signing. Um, again, I think Patrick Peverly was a guy who I liked earlier in his career for the toughness and defensive intensity that he brings. Uh, and earlier in his career as a good three-point shooter, I didn't know. I frankly doubted if he had anything left in the tank, uh, and I'm very happy to be proven wrong. No, I think he does have something left in the tank. And certainly, I think that influences what you do at the trade deadline. Not because I don't think you need an upgrade. I think you need another, like I said, a third creator. But now that creator can come from, that could be a a you know a point guard, a big two guard, a, a wing. It come from multiple different positions. You don't have to try to go out there and get a pure point guard. Because if you need, like if you are able to get somebody else who can run some offense and really create for his teammates, Patrick Beverly can then be a point guard that you put alongside him. I think he can certainly get you through portions of the regular season. Whereas... Two months ago, I'm not sure I was comfortable with that. And yeah. quite frankly, I'm, I know I wasn't because we spent pretty much every podcast talking about Now, Part of this was that this was Kyle's fetish, and we have to indulge his kinks a little bit. But he brought up Tyus Jones every freaking podcast. <laughs> and I couldn't disagree with him because the Sixers just didn't have enough, as, an, as I phrased it at the time, enough of the dribbly types. Well, Patrick Beverly has been real good.
0: And he's been a pretty good dribbly type. And he also, also down the stretch, was a part of that that closing lineup before they made the uh, last substitution yep. to bring in, uh, I think it was Batum um, to bring in and to close it out. But Beverly was out there in the backcourt with Maxi Harrison, and Bede, and yep. they just did their thing. And Beverly was out there, and he played really, really well down the stretch. Again, making you change huge, your mind.
1: Huge block from behind. Just a real good performance. Really
0: real good, good performance. performance. And Bree and I said this. And our guy, Ray Boyd, my man Ray, uh, in the chat there, Ray says, can Marcus Morris get a shout-out for the big four-point play? Well, guess what, Ray? While we were sitting there on the couch while Derek was catching up on the game, Bree and I looked at each other and said, Marcus Mars moment of the night, four-point play. And that was in a big spot right there when they were yeah. down four. They were down four points. Tied it up at 111, And then uh what happened after that? Somebody else scored. I had it here in my notes. After he got got that one. Uh, they it, they they just they then turned it up, and that's where the Sixers went up 118, 113. Great rebound by Patrick Beverly, where they were having troubles on the defensive glass and B then gets the jumper and the end one uh, on Gordon, then drills it the three himself, yep. and that pushes the lead, and it was an 18-2 run at that point, part of that 10-0 run that he had.
1: Yeah, and look, that was a very obvious mm-hmm. Marcus Moore moment in the light, in part because it was a huge moment, in part because he didn't really have very many other moments. I thought he was really struggling for most of the game up until that point. Yeah, uh, But they do have a number of players who have just stepped in. When the moment's big, they've made the shot, they've made the play, they've made the key defensive block or hustle play, as long as we don't count rebounding. Um, nobody on the we team rebounded. Say <laughs> we'll certainly get, on, get the rebounding when Kyle phones in. Um, but, yeah, they, like I said, they had a, on a night when they were missing, like, six or seven guys, I don't even know the final count, uh, they had a bunch of people step in and give them big, big lifts. Yeah,
0: no, uh, really did. Uh, Marcus Morris played play good tonight. Marty Bone says, if Marcus Morris was making $10 million less, I'd be inclined to keep him. No. Defense still a problem? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I have a number of notes in my notepad of what is he doing? (laughs) Not making that rotation at all. I I did not think this was a particularly good Marcus Morris game up until the moment he made that four-point.
0: Yeah, yeah. no, No doubt about it, man. No doubt about it. Um... (laughs) <laughs> money mart says come on keep going down the line Derek. say his name with me <laughs> he had
1: a huge play <laughs> undoubtedly had a huge play undoubtedly he,
0: he really did man he really did but no this was a this was a really good win for this basketball team i wanted to also highlight just as we talked about the shooting percentage from the floor where they were really really shooting the ball well 78 78 at the half where there was no defense play but it, who cares it was fun it was incredible. They finished the, they finished the game 43 for 76. They only attempted 76 field goals yeah. to the Nuggets 89 because of the offensive rebounding, which was super lopsided. 16 to 5. They shot 56.6% from the field, 48.4 from beyond the line, three-point line, 15 for 31, Derek, to the Nuggets 12 for 29. So they showed, they both shot pretty well there. And they were 25 for 34 and not like... Tyrese Maxey, again, to miss his number of free throws, which were four. He was three for seven. 25 for 34, they're normally better than that. But outside of the rebounding, everything else, as far as the team game goes, the assists, 27 on 43 made shots. Yep. Getting to the free throw line, which was in B, 12 for 15. Maxey getting there seven times. Harris six times. Everything else, as we talk about this game being one of their better performances all season long, uh, they – from – from beginning to end and when you look at the stats outside of the offensive rebound lopsided part everything was good.
1: Yeah, everything on offense was good. Yeah. Um th- look, I th- I thought they were real bad defensively for most of the night. Uh they looked like there wasn't a whole lot of communication. It looked like they're trying a bunch of stuff and they weren't on it the was same fun. page. It was fun. Um just a lot of miscommunications a lot of like two men following the ball on a screen, a lot of of People left wide open in the corners, top of the key. Uh, Jokic picking people apart, as he always does. I thought they really—I mean, the, the Nuggets had a ton of shots at the rim. I forget exactly what it was, but they had—they outshot Sixers. I think it was like 33-17 to 17 on shots at the rim, field goal attempts at the rim. Uh, I think the Sixers had a bad defensive game for most of the night. I do think the Sixers picked up their intensity in the fourth quarter. Uh, I thought they forced some of those—I turn- think—I mean— The Nuggets had like two turnovers pretty deep into the third quarter. For them to end up at 10, I do give them credit for turning it up, like I said, in the fourth quarter uh, and and holding them to 17 points, forcing a lot of turnovers, helping them get on transition. I thought transition was one of the areas that that the Sixers helped win, helped helped the Sixers win the game. Uh, They really had an edge in transition. But for the most part, I thought they struggled on defense and on the glass was just a complete disaster. Um, part of that is obviously the fact that you were putting Embiid on Gordon, uh, letting him roam off of Gordon. Gordon's right around a 30% three-point shooter. You're not worried about that shot. Uh, asking Tobias Harris at first um, and then Batum a little later on in the game to try to defend Jokic. At times, Tyrese Maxey on switches. That went about as well as you would expect it to. And Embiid never got back into the plays. And Embiid, you know, like I said, he was roaming off of Gordon and just never got back in position... To go up and body up Jokic, uh, I thought that really hurt them throughout. And that's not just Embiid. I thought, I thought Embiid had a pretty lazy game on the glass. Um, but that, and part of that might have been I think he was trying to make sure he didn't get in foul trouble, uh, in part because he just had a game in foul trouble, in part because Jokic is so talented. But he never got back into plays. The Sixers never team rebounded. There was just nobody real. And part of that comes down to who's on the floor, right? Maxi's not a good rebounder. Ubre's not a good rebounder. Uh, there's just too many. Beverly's a one of your more dogged rebounders, and he's he goes too after. Small.
0: It. Yeah, he's too small. He definitely goes there's after. There's just not Harris very is a many good deba- rebounder when he does really attack it. Yeah,
1: but very rarely does that That's actually what I'm saying, happen. When he attacks Harris, it. And Harris was in a tough spot because he was on a much bigger person throughout much of the night. He needed help from his teammates, but Harris isn't a, a good rebounder. Very like there's a lot of games where he's a very bad rebounder as well. They just didn't have enough guys, and the guys they did have didn't perform well. And that could have cost them the game. If they didn't come out there and shoot the lights out of the ball, that very well could have cost them the game.
0: Vince Pellegrini, our good buddy Vince, checks in and said, nope. Embiid play like that is how the Sixers can go deep in the playoffs. Yeah. Very simple.
1: I mean, with yeah. that and maybe one or two more people, but yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. He also says that uh, Embiid was amazing. Batum and Beverly were great. He gave some praise. There you to go. Joel. Twice That's and, tough. and paid for much. it, and paid for it to, to let the people know about how good you all and be. Let me ask you this though, because at the end of the third, where he was really huffing and puffing, and Nick Nurse really likes to leave him in to get that full twelve in the fourth,
1: mm-hmm.
0: bring him back at the seven minute mark. That was the case once and B got off the bench. I mean, me, once Jokic got off the bench and B got off the bench, they both came in the game back, back in the game at the same time in the fourth quarter. Any issue with him trying to force that with Embiid a little fatigued, and then Denver going on that run to close the gap?
1: Yeah, no, just because I, of
0: how it was looking, and you, he was clearly he was clearly tired.
1: Yeah, um, look, Embiid's had so many stretches where getting that extended run has worked out well for him and gets him into a groove. Uh, no, for the most part, I was okay with the substitution patterns for okay. the most part.
0: Yeah, yeah. all right. Uh, Sal says aggressive Tobias Harris is the best Tobias Harris. We're going to keep running with that one. I mean, I've been running with that one for five <laughs> years.
1: Unfortunately, uh, <laughs> the clock always eventually runs out on that.
0: Yeah, yeah no, no question, man. Um, the rebounding that, you know, as we wait for Kyle, we'll get to Kyle when he checks in. A lot going on at the arena. Yeah, uh, because Joel of nationally televised his time game, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. back to back, maybe getting a little treatment. I have there. no
1: doubt that he's sitting there waiting for Joel to talk.
0: Absolutely. So let's get to the rebounding ourselves there on the glass. You talked about Embiid maybe not wanting to get into foul trouble. And Maxie not a dog at rebound to Harris, Beverly the same. You you touched on it there just a little bit, but overall the number ended up forty six to thirty-two, folks, sixteen to five on the offensive glass, and second chance points going to go with that because it was nine for 16 for Denver and they were nine for 16 for 22 points to the Sixers three for four for for nine points oftentimes we say the second chance points don't tell the story with the offensive rebounds go but since it was exactly 16 and nine for 16 we're just going to go with it and they had 22 points off of that that's the largely a reason why they were into it because of those offensive rebounds getting the plus 13 in field goal attempts because of those extra possessions something that they have to to um correct i saw rich tweet out that rich hoffman of course our partner here on phly and of course phly sixers rich said that the Sixers are good at a lot of things but the one bad thing that they are bad at it's defensive rebounding
1: yeah and look this was a, a they're currently 24th in the league in defensive rebounding which i think when you look at a team anchored by Joel Embiid, you don't expect they have struggled in that regard pretty much ever since ben simmons uh left and was traded so that's been a, a multi-year trend here after being real good in that area uh, like i said they just don't have enough rebounding from perimeter it's been a, a pretty consistent problem overall tonight one stat that i like to look at it's basically if you if the other team misses a hundred shots How many points would they average on their own missed shots? So the Nuggets on that game, because of, like I said, grabbing the rebounds and then converting them, it's sort of like a stat that looks at both of those aspects. The Nuggets nuggets averaged 54.5 points per 100 missed shots. You should not be averaging a point per shot every time you miss the shot. Uh, the Sixers by contrast averaged 14.3 averages somewhere in the low 20s yeah. so 55 or 54.5 is real bad these Sixers not only gave up a lot of offensive rebounds but they then struggled to hustle back and contest those shots it was like I said it was a the one thing that had a real chance to derail the, the night and give the Nuggets a chance to pull this one out um Luckily, their defense did clamp down a little bit in the fourth quarter. The Nuggets got a little bit sloppy with the ball. Uh, The Sixers had that incredible stretch from Embiid. But certainly, that is an area they need to clean up. There's no doubt about that. For sure. And
0: that's where we talk about team rebounding, uh, boxing out. There was the one game against the Bulls where Andre Drummond started because Nikola Vucevic was uh, out. And with him being out, we know that Andre Drummond can get on the glass. in the game before that against the Sixers, I think he had like 25 boards or whatever it was, and you saw a big-time effort. He still had maybe 17 in this game, but you saw a big-time effort early on where they team rebounded. Maxie was even boxing out to allow Embiid or Harris or Melton to clean up the glass to get that defensive rebound to not give Chicago an extra opportunity. Knowing how good Denver is, you would have liked to have seen – a different type of effort because the second jump from Aaron Gordon and yeah. Nikola Jokic is amazing, and Embiid and Jokic they get off the floor pretty much the same height on <laughs> these types of rebounds, but he really wasn't jumping as much to that to that rebound as much as you would have liked to have seen, while Jokic was out there knowing how good of a rebounder he was, knowing also that you have to keep Aaron Gordon off the off the offensive boards. So it, it was just something that we were watching and, and noting, specifically highlighting that earlier in the game, if that became a problem. It was a problem because yep. it kept the Denver Nuggets in the game. Yeah. It, it kept them in the game. And it's something that they are going to have to correct. There may not be an acquisition out there that you're really going to focus on to say that that's going to correct that mistake. Yeah. That problem. It has to come from within right now with this basketball team and correcting that issue that they currently have. So if they're able to do that, Sixers aren't the biggest team, as we know, but team rebounding, the want to, to get after it, to not allow that to happen. When you're coming off the bench, Paul Reed, he, he can get you some boards, but he also has some trouble against yep. some of those other guys that are on the floor opposite him where he doesn't get that rebound. Marcus Morris is not the best rebounder. He, he did have a nice Try put back dunk opportunity mm-hmm. where well, I was, I was like, Oh, <laughs> I thought he was going to hammer that one, but they got his forearm, sent him to the free throw line. He knocked down, I think one or both of those free throws. And with it, I'm just pointing that out that they, they're not the best rebounding team as Derek talked about where they're in that lower percentage. And that's just more of a team want to and get after type of approach, knowing yeah. that you're, you're not the biggest team.
1: Yeah. And You know, you touched on one thing with Aaron Gordon. I'm really impressed with the way that he has embraced his role because I thought early on in his career, uh, you know, people would talk about, like, why is Clifford playing at the three? Well, Aaron Gordon wanted to play the three, and he wanted to, you know, create from the perimeter and be seen as more of a versatile swingman than a forward. He has bought in as he sort of, like, you know, sort of progressed out of his I can be a featured player phase and become into a role player role with the Nuggets. He might be in the perfect spot for him, but I I really like the way that he has embraced that. Um, And I think projecting that, and what players are willing to do that, when you start talking about making some of these trades, it's one of the great things, that the great unknowns that we have when we're analyzing, hey, would this guy fit? Hey, would this guy be okay with the role? Hey, should they take a a gamble on this guy who might not have the perfect skill set but has the talent? Uh, That is an example of a team that took a gamble on a player who was playing a role and maybe you had questions whether he would embrace the role that you had in front of him. It's just something to keep in mind as we transition to a... What's going to be a lot of trade talk here over the next month? Um, so I thought that was, like I said, a, a good example of why it's difficult to make some of these projections. He
0: allowed himself to be that connecting piece. Yeah, and, and instead earlier of earlier in his career, pick,
1: I didn't, I didn't think he would. Same, yeah. and
0: there were a lot of people talking about what he could be at the four and that type of player. He can go to Golden State and fit in and play a Draymond Green type of role. It's different, but it's again the unselfishness of, hey, I want to win a championship. I'm yep. in a good spot, and there's some players in front of me that are better that, in doing that. And even we talked about Jeremy Grant the other day, folks, and I just brought him up because he was in a very similar situation with the Denver Nuggets, and he wasn't willing to accept yeah. that role. And he wanted the, the opportunity to be a, a feature guy on a team no matter where it was, and he took the money with Detroit. It's not to say that he hasn't improved his game, <laughs> offensively, but maybe he could have been in a similar type of role there with, with Aaron Gordon on that very team. And it was the same someone reached out to me on Twitter, Derek. I was a big Contavious Caldwell Pope guy when he was in Detroit. So coming out of school, I really liked him and what he did as a 6'5 shooting guard, can play defense too, can knock down that open shot. And with him, I thought he was going to get paid. I thought the Sixers were one to maybe look at that as a piece to bring in here probably got a little bit more money than I expected yeah. with that $80 million that they gave that him. That
1: 2016 offseason was wild.
0: Yeah, what did he get, like four for 80, <laughs> yeah. something like that? That was, and that was that big Evan, money at that time. That was
1: the one that Evan got the big payday, too. Yeah, yeah, and that
0: was big money at that time. So I'm like, all right, I get it of not doing that. But sure, some other things happened with Contavious Caldwell-Pope off the floor, but he has embraced his role mm. at I don't have to be this top, top 10 player anymore where I have to be the number one guy. Lakers championship. Denver championship and understanding who he is and that's where when we start to talk about this and we'll get into some conversation tomorrow make sure you're with us at 2:30 here on the PHLY Sixers podcast we're going to talk about this because this is something that you if you make that right move and you get that right player that's willing to buy into that That part of what he needs to do and what he needs to be to help this team advance to an Eastern Conference Finals and maybe even then an NBA final, we might be having a totally different conversation in June if they identify the right player and that right player comes in here and understands that that's what he needs to be for this basketball team in order to win the championship.
1: Absolutely. and Like I said, it's one of the things that us sitting here behind the desk and certainly us talking to other people around the league, whether it be reporters, front office executives, agents, what have you, it's maybe the toughest thing for us to try to project and us to try to uh, – frankly, I think it's probably the toughest thing for teams to try to project as well. You just don't know how people are going to react, whether or not – You know, I think Daryl's talked about this in regards to Kelly. Sometimes you need people to be at the right place at the right time at the right point of their career for it all to kind of like work. And if any of those things, the timing is wrong, it might not work out. And I think part of that comes down to some of these players that you're going to be targeting, it might not be the role that they want. It might not be the role that they envision themselves. It might not be the role that they think can get them paid on their next contract the most. Which ones are willing to buy into that? Which ones are not? It is a... you know, it's why this sort of like trade market, not just this trade market, but any trade market, any acquisition, there's many different ways it can go wrong because potential landmine. That's one aspect that Daryl Mori has to get right. Yeah,
0: he does. And, of course, we bring that up, and then you get Brian says, I forgot about that contract, yeah, was, that for 80.
1: Honestly, that 2016 offseason, uh, as we maybe have a little bit of filler time because we're waiting to see if we can get Kyle to check in, he says Embiid is taking his time. That happens. Uh, but 2016, that was the year where the there was a national TV deal and there was a salary cap spike and decided not to smooth the, the, the cap jump. And you just had people getting who'd the Lakers sign? Was that was that the Mozgov? That was Mozgov for spent a sixty ton million of money on Mozgov.
0: Was it also Luau Dang? Yeah, it that, was that it same was, year. That yeah.
1: that season was wild.
0: Lakers it was Lakers wild. signed Mozgov and Luau Dang at the yeah. same time with big yeah. money. And I actually thought I was I was arguing for Evan Turner at that time because it was like. He can be a nice player, ball handler, look at what everybody else is getting. Why are we looking at his number only? Yeah. Like like yep. he's not a pretty good player in the league where he can get a modest number for what they were doing, but Portland overpaid. Was that also the Alan Crab Yeah. number? Yep. Yeah, that was yeah. a big number, Alan yeah. Crabb. He got close to $100 million from Portland. I
1: remember you and I talking at the time. Uh, and again, we kind about of had Alan things with different radio stations at the time. But we were like, hey, what do you think of this guy? Yeah, I think he's all right, but I think he might get overpaid. Then we saw number. was like, whoa, yeah, like, what are you right. talking about? And
0: Crabb was one of those players because it was talk- – was, no, it was Brooklyn. He was yes, in was Portland, Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. and Brooklyn gave him that number, and Brooklyn gave him that huge, huge number – with all of that money, and it was crazy, crazy yeah, uh, when he was it comes making to that. Twenty
1: mil a year. Yeah, oh, he man. cashed in at the right time. Then he was out of league about twenty-seven. Insane. 27 years
0: old, gone. Insane. In- insane. Big number. Um, I-, I saw I wanted to get the one that uh, someone threw something at us in the chat. Corey Jones, Jr., ENT. What's up, Corey? Hanging with us on the late night. Sixers get a big win, five-point win over the Nuggets. Now 26 wins on the season. Just tuning in so don't know if you guys talked about it yet. Uh, but after the game, what's the consensus on the team? Uh, try to make a big trade still or get more depth slash role players. Again, Corey, something that we're really gonna dive into tomorrow, but just to kind of highlight it for the conversation tomorrow, it's sort of what Stan Van Gundy was talking about. If Tobias Harris is playing this way, maybe it'll make people feel a little bit more comfortable about him being back if they don't move him, but then go and do the other part of the role player Corey role trade that you're talking about, where people might feel a little more at ease with that. The only issue with it is, as we know with Harris, is that he'll do this for two weeks like he has been doing. Sure. Thirties yeah, thirty seven, yeah, thirty three during the stretch, twenty seven, twenty three, twenty two, really efficient. Tonight, twenty four, eight of ten from the field. And then when they go on this road trip, how many games on the road here? Like six of their next seven on the road? Yeah, seven of eight. Seven of eight. Seven of eight on the road? That's where it might might change the mind for a lot of people because then he's going to dip back down to that 15 points on average over seven games, and it might frustrate some people of how it's played out during these games.
1: I mean, if we go back to the question of do they need more help, you know, this is where, like, when they shit the bed in a big moment, I step back and I go, like, you know what, just relax. This isn't their defining moment. This does not how you, you know, figure out whether or not they need more help. But also when they have an incredible game and they win a huge huge game in a big spot it's still just one game Mm -hmm. so does what happened tonight change my opinion of what they need to do no not at all it to me i'm I'm gonna take a look at the entire picture Uh, i think i would still like another more reliable more consistent third option um but it kind of has to be the right third option i've been pretty picky on some of the names that have come out if you're going to trade the last batch of assets of draft picks of cap flexibility that you have i think he needs to be a long-term fit next to Embiid and maxi a lot of the potential ones that have come up and again there might be one off the board by the time we do our next podcast we'll talk about that tomorrow we will see um a lot of the ones that come up have not been perfect it's going to leave us in a pretty tough spot on deciding what to do whether you pursue role players But, yes, I think ideally they would have more help coming in. Uh, The question is whether or not you're going to have the opportunity to add one that actually fits long term.
0: I had a negative thing I wanted to ask about, uh, even with so many good things that that took place in this. When Derek talked about the defense not being up, up to the standard that you would like to see, we also talked about a few other things, the offensive rebounding, of course, for the Denver Nuggets against the Sixers on the defensive glass. I wanted to ask you about Kelly Oubre because before the stretch in the third quarter, I thought he was playing decently. And down was, the stretch in the third, it was, real bad. It was really bad. Yep. They were up. They were trying to – I think he took a top-of-the-key three. They were up by seven, which would have given them a ten-point lead. And then coming back down the other way, I don't remember if it was Reggie Jackson or someone else, but it was a, a, a Porter Jr. maybe knocking down the three. But – it was a six-point swing right there where instead of being up 10, you're now only up four. Yep. And then he had a, a pull-up jumper at mid-range that he did not hit, tried to drive into traffic, and it was mm-hmm. a turnover right there. That was about two minutes to close out that yeah. third quarter no, that, that with thir- beat on the floor. yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's where he was fatigued, and Ubre was trying to do a little bit too much.
1: I mean, they they went the last I think three forty-five of that third quarter without getting a bucket. Uh, I think that that started with a little. Ubre hero ball, um, pull-up jumpers, pull-up contested jumpers early in the shot clock. Uh, I know there was then a a pull-up jumper for Marcus Morris, and all those shots are going up with Embiid pretty much not touching the ball on offense while he was still on the floor. Uh, And then I thought Embiid tried to start forcing things. He had, I know, a a bad baseline pass there. Um, I think he then had a crazy drive that ended up turning the ball over with. That was the start of the unraveling, and that was, I thought, a real bad stretch from Kelly. I didn't think his defense— tonight was all that good either he has been more up and down since coming back from the rib injury than he was earlier on in the season and I think you're starting to see some of the you know tendencies he has that can be tough to fit in that being said I do still think more often than not his effort on defense has been consistent enough where I'm not completely out on Kelly like I still think he should be part of the rotation and all of that and he has his moments where he goes off but I do think you are starting to see some of the warts that made him be a player who could, A, average 20 points per game in an NBA game and still come into camp on a minimum contract because nobody wanted to give him, uh, you know, commit real dollars to him. Um, he was tough tonight, especially in that Yeah, third. he was.
0: And, and I also think this, too, even though he had a pretty good game the other day, finishing with 17, knocked down a couple of three-pointers, as Money Mars says, Ubre went rogue quickly, shaking my head. He did, but... Once everybody comes back, to, to your point earlier, when Melton is back in the starting lineup, um, Uber is coming off the bench. Covington may be healthy back in the rotation. I think all of that will settle down, for, for the most part, for what he is, is, is asked, asked of during that punch coming off the bench and giving them that offensive spark that they might need. When he steps into the game because he has it and we've seen it. I I mean, Ali the opportunity because of his athleticism, somebody else on the team is really going to do that. That's there. The driving to the basket, fearlessly out fearlessly outside of Tyrese Maxey. That's pretty much him. That's it. So you need the things that he brings to the table. And
1: like when he's doing that and he's just taking the open catch and shoot threes, when he's not taking the pull-up contested jumpers, when he's cutting off the ball, when he's crashing the offensive glass, when he's attacking the rim, that's the, you know, we talk about like decisive Toby being the best Toby. Well, limited Kelly is the best Kelly. When it's (laughs) just the open catch and shoot threes or just attacking those closeouts or just cutting off the ball and it's not too much like, hey, I'm going to come off of this, you know, pick and roll and try to attack you with my left hand and dunk all over you like that's when he gets himself into trouble
0: yeah just going through everybody and and, and doing that so once everyone is back and and healthy and they have their full complement of players I I think that I think that'll be fine as Brian calls him renegade Kelly (laughs) Shahid (laughs) Shahid says I remember folks wanted Alan Crabb to our conversation Shahid I'll, I'll, I'll lay it out I was one of them I liked Alan Crabb in California. When not at he played. 100 million. No, no, not at that number. I liked Alan Crabb at California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought the Blazers had a nice draft when they selected him to come off the bench and be one of those young guys with that team. Damian Lillard's there, right? Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge. I'm like, oh, Alan Crabb off the bench, that's pretty good for late teens, early 20s, whatever he was. I was cool with Alan Crabb, not for the big number that, that he got from Brooklyn, where they just decided to break the bank and give him that money because they had that opportunity because of where the salary cap was and all the money that was available to them. So Shahid, I'm guilty of it, but just not at that number. I, I was I was not there. I, no. I, I was not there for that one.
1: But yeah, did he have? I think he had he had knee problems too. I think I think he, he had something that limited his yeah. career.
0: Yeah, he had he had knee problems, so he had he had those issues. Uh, I, also, as again, if you folks are like, where's Kyle? Kyle's doing his job at the arena. We'll get to him when we get to him. They have two games coming up back-to-back, Friday and Saturday on the road. Orlando on Friday night will be here with you post-game, folks, and then Charlotte on, on Saturday night. <laughs> Crab is Christian Wood. No, he's better than Christian Wood, in my opinion. <laughs> but um, this is the starter of this 7 of 8 on the road, winnable games again. And when you play a, a team like this with the Denver Nuggets, you win against Houston on Monday. These are, this is where you want them to make sure that they don't let up uh, yeah. on the road and pick up some winnable games. Four and a half games out of first place behind Boston. A game and a half back of the Milwaukee Bucks. When we talked about Orlando earlier in the season when the Sixers played them and there were some entertaining games, the Orlando Magic were in the top four right there with the Sixers. They have now yeah, they dropped, like we said, that they'll probably fall out of that, that spot there and someone else would jump in. They are now 22-18, and 18, still very good, but they are in the play-in right now, and they have uh, dropped four of their last ten. Orlando is good. They're better, the Sixers are, than the Orlando Magic. Orlando at home, 13-5. and five. They're a very good home team. They've already beaten them in Orlando. Yep. So with this one, weekend game, maybe you're looking to get away from the weekend and you go to game time and you head down to Orlando <laughs> for this game to, to get some better weather there. This is an opportunity, though, Derek, as the Sixers have now won three games in a row, for them to go to Orlando, go to Charlotte, who are one of the worst teams in the league, 8-29, and ball might be back soon, or is he, he is already back. Yeah. Um, two winnable games, though, that you would like the Sixers to go on the road, as they are 10-7 and 7 away. Hopefully Embiid can play, can play in both, if not one of them, and, and show up in these two games. And, and win these basketball games. Yeah,
1: I mean, the good thing here is they have two nights off now before they go to Orlando on mm-hmm. Friday. You would assume they probably have off from practice tomorrow as well, or maybe at the most, like a film session. Uh, so they will have a little bit of time here to recuperate. I think that would be good for Joel. Uh, but they then they do follow that right up with a back-to-back and a, a travel back-to-back where they're going from, not the longest travel in the world, but going from Orlando to Charlotte. You gotta, you know, reshuffle your um, hotel at the very least. Yeah. Uh, so yeah I mean it is I think they have a chance to win both of these. Orlando has been struggling a little bit here, six or three and six in their last nine games played some pretty tough competition, uh, but they have come back down to earth a little bit. That is a team because of their size and athleticism I think can present a an interesting matchup for the sixers. certainly we saw that earlier on in the season, uh, but certainly two winnable games here, and quite frankly, I mean outside of the nuggets here in like you said, a little over about two weeks, week and a half. Yeah. Uh, they have a lot of winnable games, some decently tough games, a game against the Pacers. Um, Should the be fun. Warriors, a month ago you would have said that's a pretty tough game, but lately they have been in a complete free fall. They have a chance to make up some ground here in the Eastern Conference. And with the mm-hmm. Bucks, you know, what are, what are the Bucs? A half game up on half, the Sixers, I Game think. and a half. Game and a half, but only one, one loss up uh, on the Sixers with 12 losses. They have a chance to make up some of that ground. Got a game Still time. A pretty good spot. Got yep. a
0: game time three too. Yep. Last night to um, a, a walk off for Damian Lillard as the uh, Bucks pick up that win. But yeah, man, some some winnable games there, and would like to see it. And you you get you get uh, excited and look ahead in that way just because of the Sixers again coming away with this five point victory here on on their home floor. But if they go to Denver on that Saturday afternoon, we're, we can't wait for that game. But with it, seeing them play against them, and as you said earlier, and I wanted to elaborate on that a little bit more, it's not really a team that you look at and say that they can't beat. What is, no, there's definitely is there not. something? Was there something there that they showed you tonight that really made you feel, let me put this in my notes, just because, hey, if they get here and these two teams or another Western Conference team, they match up in the finals, that you, you look at the Sixers tonight and say,
1: this is exactly why I think they can be there. Embiid and, and Maxi are really good.
0: <laughs> but that's... No, but the beauty of that, is just, the simplicity of it is yeah. because we've talked about Maxie being a number two on a, on a contending team.
1: Yeah, and look, I had... I was a little confused by the way that Denver came out in this one and guarded them. Like, they were going under on... You can't go under on a Tyrese Maxie screen. That was screen. puzzling.
0: Yeah. And you have some good defenders and They were giving them way Pope. too much space. Right. Um yeah, they, but, they were giving him way too much space.
1: Yeah, look, uh, any team you go up against is going to struggle to defend that two-man action, uh, whether that is a pure pick-and-roll, whether that is a dribble handoff, whether that is a pocket pass to Embiid. There are so many different ways, and, and Maxi is seemingly growing each and every time out and finding new ways to exploit that, Like I mentioned earlier, their skill sets, they just mesh so well. There's so much synergy between them when they're both on, especially on a night like tonight where both of them are very much on, that I think any team, when they're at the height of their powers, is going to struggle. You just need somebody who when you have him beat off the floor or max you off the floor, somebody who can step up and consistently give you that punch. We saw that today where Tobias did step step up, and because of that, they were pretty consistent offensively throughout the night. Uh, If you can get either Tobias to be more consistent which I have my doubt on that one or you can get uh, another player to come in and give you some form of shot creation when you need it they have a chance to win a lot a lot of games and a lot of playoff games as well no team in the NBA is perfect Uh, These Nuggets are pretty close. The Clippers have been playing incredible basketball. Boston is maybe the most complete and consistent team, but even them, their fans will tell you that they worry a little too much, that they're a little too three-point heavy, that they don't maybe get to the free throw line as much as you would want, that they don't take as many shots at the rim as you would want, that they're using all of that size and athleticism and shot creation and, and maybe spoiling it a little bit. No team, like I said, is perfect, and we can sit here, and because we watch Sixers night and night out, we will nitpick them. Mostly we will nitpick them because they haven't done it in the playoffs yet. Uh, I was talking to some people before, and again, the Dirk comparison was brought up, where people will tell you that they can't do it and can't do it and can't do it, and the only way to change that is to do it. Uh, But like Dirk, the history isn't written on Joel Embiid and his playoff career. Uh, They need – and I don't want to go Stan Van Gundy here – Because I do think they need some help. I don't think Tobias Harris is good enough as a third option. But if Joel Embiid is this version of Joel Embiid, yeah, they can beat anyone in the playoffs. Anyone. But they need this version of Joel Embiid in the playoffs.
0: Beautifully said. Somebody who was also in the building, like you were, for the first half. It's our good buddy. He made here. Got to get him a friendship bracelet from FOCO. That is Kyle Newbeck live from the arena.
2: Well, I am sorry to make you wait this long. As you can tell from the lights going out on me, they are like literally taking the building down around me. That's fine. That's, I don't need to talk long, to you. That's how long we had to wait for Joel and <laughs> So uh, I apologize to keep you waiting, but obviously, quite a great game tonight. So I'm sure you had plenty to talk about.
0: Second, second day of a back-to-back, and he decided, you know what, I'm going to make everybody wait. But hey. 41-7-10 and 10, uh, uh, in a marquee matchup against two of the NBA's best in an MVP matchup against Nikola Jokic. Kyle, he came out from the very start, and he was phenomenal in, in this game, outside of the rebounding part <laughs> where we talk about that. We'll get to that later. Uh, but he was phenomenal and showed up in a big way in the second again night of a back to back
2: Yeah, look, the rebounding for the whole team was absolutely infuriating. But uh, Joel's message, as it was prior to the game, when he talked post-game, it was pretty simple. Like, yes, the individual stuff matters. He's a competitor. He hears what people say about, you know, and he said himself, Jokic is the best in the world. Until somebody upends him, he has earned and deserves that title. But he came out and said, the team stuff is what matters. We got the win. He did what was required to win. He even joked at one point, he's like, you know, it's been Tyrese's job to, to close teams out a lot of this year that, i got i got lucky with some of my makes in in the fourth quarter so that was uh he's ribbing himself i guess a little bit and maybe alluding to the fact that he has not played in a whole lot of fourth quarters this year but the best part of this game was that both teams treated it basically like a playoff game i mean playoff type rotations jokic and Embiid and murray and maxi all playing those type of minutes the intensity was there Crowd energy was there, atmosphere there. Coaches bitching at the officials was there. Like, just an awesome night to be down here. And look, if we're looking at this as a measuring stick game, it's another big win. Like, I know people have complained about, oh, he's not available for certain games, or who have they beaten? It's like, well, now they have wins against Denver, Minnesota, Boston, OKC. Like, they're, they're slowly building resume on top of Joel having probably I don't even think it's arguable up to this point the best individual season of his career and he's coming off an MVP so that carries even more weight than normal
1: what did you make of the rebound Uh, I guess first of all what did Nick say about his decision to start off with Tobias on Jokic and then eventually move to Batum at times as well and really save Joel for that fourth quarter run
2: yeah, I mean, they all alluded to the fact that, that what they really wanted to do was just throw as many different looks at Jokic as was possible, right? Like, I, I didn't actually notice this in the second half, but Tobias said he played a box and one at one point, and it was the first time he had ever played in a box and one in his entire basketball career. And he didn't think he knew what he was doing on that play, so he was just <laughs> kind of hoping and praying that he ended up in the right spot. But... That's kind of a summary of how you approach Nikola Jokic, right? Like, he's such a dangerous and gifted passer that the strategies you employ against guys who are just elite scorers are not the same, right? Because if you send a double at him, you're basically gifting the other team free points, an open three, an open layup, whatever it is. So, you know, Nick, his theme after the game was just we, we wanted to throw... Everything in him and you know, notably after last year switching Tucker on Jokic is what I think swung that game defensively I think it was the opposite down the stretch and Joel alluded to this during his presser where they went to the more traditional Matchups and they're able to turn the water off I thought Joel denied him the ball a couple of different times the Nuggets struggled to get it to him and On top of Joel making all those shots I thought that was a key separator in the last you know seven eight minutes of that game
0: well, I didn't even notice the boxing one, but if, he, if, if it was anything that he played like overall all night, I'm pretty sure he did a nice job on that boxing one. Uh, Kyle, 49 points, 10 rebounds, and 13 assists, I believe, between Maxie and Tobias Harris tonight, knocking down six three-pointers on a lot of attempts. If they get this type of supporting cast uh, production with Embiid again against a big opponent like this, uh, this was something that we'll certainly be talking about for quite a long time as we go into the spring.
2: Yeah, I mean, sky's the limit if you get that type of run that you got from Tobias at the start of the fourth quarter. I mean, that's, that was quite literally a game-saving stretch that he had because you're coming off of you know that middle of the third quarter. It looked like they're on the verge of breaking the game open. Kelly Oubre misses a transition three. I think there was a, a busted transition play right before that as well and Denver goes on what was it like a 15 to 2 run and you're going into the fourth Joel's coming off the floor you're absolutely scrambling and Tobias just calmed everything down by hitting shot after shot after shot just bullies Christian Brown for you know a good 4 or 5 minutes there and you know for as much flack as I and we have given him collectively it does show you the value of having him on the team cuz you know you add that onto Over the last week, and certainly in playoff matchups in the past, you see him taking on those assignments like a Jokic, like a DeMontis Sabonis, like a Shangoon, and you can use the big as the roamer and do some different things. Like He's an important chess piece when he's playing the way that he can and should on both ends of the floor. So a lot of credit to Tobias. And then the maxi component, it was crazy watching Denver double one pass away And leaving Tyrese Maxey, who Joel goes, he's like a 45% three-point shooter, wide open, and all you got to do is make the quick, easy kick-out pass to him. And Joel said it, like, one of the keys to his passing this year is he's got all these knockdown shooters, guys who are quick-release guys, that when that ball comes out of his hands, not only does he know it's going to a good shooter, it's going to a guy who can get the shot off quick, and it's not going to turn into ball gets there and then you sit for no two seconds and the chance is gone so some weird weird defensive choices from Denver tonight certainly but big credit to to Tobias and Tyrese for taking advantage of it
1: well they started the game going under screens on Tyrese I can't remember the last time somebody went under a ball screen on Tyrese like talk about a layup really strange what did you make of their rebounding issues
2: well I would say the one area I was disappointed with Joel in was rebounding and I think you could probably you could speculate and say some of that's probably just due to the back-to-back he's conserving some energy He obviously was a unbelievable force on offense in that game and so you got to pick your spots pick your battles he actually openly admitted he wore down and was tired in the third quarter and, and some of it also you give a lot of credit to Nikola Jokic right how many offensive rebounds did he himself end up with i believe it was double digits
0: yeah 11 Yeah,
2: which that that's outrageous now some of those are the moses malone tipping a couple to yourself around the rim but i mean even still guys positioning and strength and all that was insane and so he deserves some credit but the rest of them the long rebounds the one that really burned me up was jamal murray missing a three and then the ball bounces back to him Those are unacceptable. Those are like the attention to detail and effort from the whole group needs to be better rebounding the ball because it's one of the things we really liked about this team, or at least I really liked about this team, to start the year, after watching them last year, I thought there was a major improvement. They looked more athletic, more active on the glass, more disruptive defensively. And so they got to get back into that mindset a little bit more and go up and attack the ball rather than just kind of Standing around, hands in the air, hoping rebounds are going to fall to them.
0: 17 points off the bench in total for the Sixers, uh, 15 of which became uh, Morris and Beverly. And while a good four-point play, of course, from Marcus Morris, big shot there to tie it up at 111 apiece. There's more about Beverly again, Kyle, where he comes in first quarter, five points that Derek and I talked about immediately. Uh, one of those uh, buckets in the paint, and then a step-back three where the guy's not going to see. He back three, and it looked like no struggle at all. And then closing lineup, he's in there late in the fourth quarter. Yeah, you know, Melton's not there, certainly. So you have to tweak your closing lineup a little bit. But he was out there. They were making the plays. They were pushing to close the game. And again, just positive, positive minutes while he's out there. Hustle plays, good block shot that Derek brought up as well at a key time. And the guy at rebounding, dog, when we talk about the rebound, he's the smallest guy on the floor, but he's getting in there, going after the board. Can't say enough again about Patrick Beverly and what he, what he has been able to do over the last couple of weeks.
2: Yeah, and even with all that, Devon, it was kind of a tough decision down the stretch because you know with the Sixers trying to play that and beat as the Romer defense, the Nuggets were pretty effective at forcing switches where they're ending up with Maxi or Beverly – on Jokic at times for a stretch there. And it's like, dude, you, you absolutely yep. can't live with that, right? And if Kelly Ubray's in the game, you at least have one more wing-sized guy that if he ends up in that spot, you end up better. But Kelly was playing, let's say, some erratic basketball toward the end of the third quarter <laughs> and played a little bit of hero ball that I thought contributed mm-hmm. to the Denver comeback. And so Nick Nurse opts the role with Beverly, who, as you point out, I thought was playing well. And he was rewarded in that scenario. Like it played some good defense on Jamal Murray. I thought, you know, one of the big things coming out of this game, that was like, Jamal Murray had a fairly quiet night. Like it wasn't bad, but wasn't like the, oh damn, he's like on a heater, like shot making type game from him. Very understated game. And I think part of that was Pat Bev coming in second half and, and helping do a great job on it. So I, as I've said a couple times, I feel like recently. After that tough stretch to start the year, I think Pat has really solidified that spot as the backup handler. And really the the only issue for him now is he's probably overextended because these two guard looks with him and Tyrese, I I think you're playing with fire and eventually they'll backfire, but I, I give him a ton of credit for being just everything that they've needed, whatever that might be on a given night at that spot.
1: Last one for me, Kyle. And I, one quick point, because Money Mar said hoodie Kyle is back. That is not a hoodie. That is a jacket. Not everything. It
2: is, but its, it's, got a, it's got oh. a on it has got a hood it. It's
1: got a hood. It's got a hood. It's not a hood. It's not a sweatshirt hoodie. Right. What's your favorite Alan Crabb memory? Because he was a big topic of conversation in today's show.
2: Alan <laughs> Crabb? <laughs> <laughs>
1: we just went on a random side tangent. You don't have to I, actually have an Alan Crab. Uh, memory I,
2: I was gonna say i remember him getting a contract that's that was exactly yeah, that's insane. where we went yeah, yeah that's, that's the only memory i think that's I have all i got memory. i got nothing else yeah. for
0: him yeah i've been talking for an Nets hour and a half and, big time that's yep. paid him big time well, listen, man, uh, this was a really good win. A couple of days off. Uh, we'll be back with you tomorrow at 2.30. And uh, as we break things down, get into a lot of conversation. Might have some trade slop to talk about. Looking forward to that one. Some more slop, man. Some more slop. Be careful getting home. Always good to catch up. Make sure everybody goes and checks out Kyle's work. At, uh, again, make sure I say it right so I don't get yelled at allphly.com.
2: There he is. Thank you guys for waiting around for me. I will. Are, are we on tomorrow? We're on tomorrow. 2.30. Right? You should probably 2:30. know that. Yeah. I'm so it. damn late, man. No, and I've I know hit. you no, guys no, know I was that. Just saying, I'm
0: getting on him. But hey, you're tired. We get it.
2: Fellas, <laughs> see you tomorrow.
0: Get out of there, man. Appreciate it again, Kyle Newbeck. Go read his recap, all PHLY com. This was a fun one, man. Fun game. Fun game.
1: It was. I mean, it was the, the game was truly a blast. It really it felt really like was. sort of like '80s basketball, where both teams just running up, getting whatever they wanted. Uh, great players making great plays. It was a fun, fun game.
0: And then when they needed it the most, defense. Both of them, you know, defense. The Sixers did score 27 in the third quarter, but it wasn't 38 like they had in the first quarter. Sure. And, and the same with the big second quarter defense, uh, both making it difficult for each team to score down the stretch so definitely that 90s basketball that Derek is talking about I didn't even know I'm mad because I didn't notice the boxing one I'm mad at myself
1: yeah well a lot of times it can just look like uh, one player is top locking so yeah. I think you really have to sit there and watch yeah but uh, you know when I mean, it's like one or two plays out of a game like but we pride
0: ourselves something. in seeing things like well, that the we'll, zone okay the we'll, zone is there oh look at that boxing one you don't see that much
1: I oh, mean, I mean, with Nick, you kind of do. They did run it against yeah. Steph Curry in the. Yeah, they uh, did. Um, They ran it earlier in the season too. Yeah. It's, it's come out once. That or twice. I remember. Yeah.
0: That I remember. This is fun, everybody. We appreciate you hanging out with us on the late night. It's almost midnight, it really and we is. appreciate you all hanging out oh. with us.
1: We have a lot of people to thank. Start off with uh, our super chats here. I know we had one. We had a bunch. A couple from Vince, Ash, Jack. Ernest, Jake, we appreciate all of you, even Vince, maybe a little less Vince, but certainly all of you, we appreciate. He gave him a true. lot of praise. I, I, I appreciate Vince. He gave him he, a lot of praise he, he today. He did give him a lot of he praise. Did. He did. He can be harsh on him, but not tonight. Also want to mention Elaine, Mark, uh, Random Frank P, and also want to point out that today was Random Frank P's first NBA game. You picked a heck of a one to start off with. They're Perfect. not all going to be like that, but it's Great live entertainment, so keep on going back. Joe Sox, Brian Knight, Cyberdale, Money Mar, Shahid, Rohan, Liam, Furious, Gavin, Ash, Sam, Two Minute Warning, Marty Bones, Jamie, Charlie Hendrickson, TJ Scott, Corey, Michael, Weebay, Rick, Jake, neil tyrone whole bunch of others that i can't remember and didn't jot down appreciate each and every one of you want to make sure if you're listening to this and you're not already subscribed go subscribe to the phly sports youtube channel hit the bell icon so you get notifications Ding. of when we i forgot the bell folks i last one day forgot his bell for day two so that's fine that's Ding. fine hit go. the bell icon so you get notifications for when we go live and you can come in and join the chat
0: you got it. What's up, Gavin? Appreciate it, Brian. Everybody, have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 2.30 live right here on the PHLY Sixes Podcast. For Derek, Bree, Kyle, I'm Devon. Have a good rest of your night. We'll talk to you. Be careful out there. Really,
1: really needed that game after that Eagles game, man.
0: Yes, you did. Needed something good to talk about. And this was good. They got two of yeah, them. Great. Now go sweep the week. Get two more later. Talk to you guys tomorrow. <laughs> we all like the man.